Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. I'm Ryan Salisbury, and today we have your favorite underwater correspondent, Soy Boy of the Deep. Hey everybody. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Soy Boy? <laughs> well, uh, we're, we're going to talk about some interesting investments that the uh, Central Intelligence Agency of the United States have been making into computer machines. Since That's a around, really pleasant way to put it. <laughs> yeah, the 1950s or so? Yes. Uh, the 1940s maybe, too? I don't, I'm not totally yeah. clear on the timeline. They didn't really, like, really spell it out, but yeah. 40s or 50s. Not only is it a spy thing that they were doing, but they were making money off of it. It's a bonus. Yeah, yeah so they get to plow the investments back into their own spying shit, which is really cool. Right. I know as leftists, we really love that. Yeah. We're big fans of the CIA here. Big, big time. Didn't you at once have, were employed by the CIA? <laughs> I, I was, yes, at one point. Yeah, I've left that life behind, but um, I still believe that all CIA agents are workers because they don't own the means of production, and that's what makes someone a worker. So, the, And the means of production are spy machines, I suppose, that you profit off of. Yeah, so the the owners of Crypto AG, they are bourgeoisie, of course. Um, but the, the employees of Crypto AG and the CIA agents uh, that, that uh, you know, cracked the encryption for Crypto AG to spy on foreign uh, powers, they were all workers. <laughs> Definitely proles. Definitely yeah. proles. <laughs> so if they, if they join your movement, you have to respect them and you have to let them in. You can't just kick them out and say they're class traitors. That is not valid theory. So, <laughs> oh boy! So we just lost half our viewers, <laughs> listeners. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about uh, mostly a Washington Post article that came out because uh, we're also big fans of the Washington Post, of course. Oh, um, I love and, it! Yeah, and its owners. <laughs> we love its owners. Um, I, honestly, I'm I'm actually very surprised that this article was published in the Washington Post because, as we will talk about later, uh, Jeff Bezos, the owner of the Washington Post, has a very lucrative contract with the CIA. But this is an article that came out uh, five days ago, something like that. It was like Tuesday, yeah. last Tuesday. And, yeah, really um, good read. Just yeah, yeah, after you're done listening to us, read it. Yeah, I didn't actually get through the whole thing because I, I was like reading it in detail and then looking at other stuff that's related to this. And uh, then I realized, like, right before I started, like, oh, my God, I'm only, like, 10% of the way through the article. <laughs> it's enormous. <laughs> so Yeah, it took me, it took me a, probably, like, 15 minutes to, to read through all of it. And um, I'm not including the times I stopped and said, what the fuck? <laughs> I think it would take me longer. I'm a very slow reader, so I think it would probably take me like a good half hour to an hour to read the whole thing. I got got through it pretty well, but it was just like it just—it was like a pissed off reading. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Circled down the worm. So yeah, we will—we'll only be talking about part of the article, so definitely read it uh, separately. Uh, It'll be in the show notes, which we will include in the show description. We haven't been including show notes a lot lately, but mostly just because some of the show notes that I've had are like, they suck. So I just don't want re- people to read bad notes, but these are going to be good notes. So read these. Uh, <laughs> read the notes. Yeah. So the story is that uh, 
this company Crypto AG, which is a, a Swiss company that makes uh, encryption machines. So I guess if you don't know what encryption is, I should probably explain that first. If you don't know encry- what encryption is, it is taking a piece of text and then using like a mathematical algorithm to make it unreadable to other people. Uh, and then the reverse is decryption, which like reverses that so that the person that the message is intended for can read it. And so this was used heavily in uh, World War II. I mean, it has a long history that stretches back, you know, thousands of years. Um, but in World War II, it, it really became like a more of a mathematical discipline. Uh, before that, the the most common encryption was, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like supposedly from uh roman civilization which means it's probably from like the Mughals or something like that and then like white people just said that romans invented it but they basically just take like all the letters of the alphabet and they permutate them by a certain number and then they they just like replace all of the letters in the message with the permutated letters so if, instead of a you put c instead of b you put d etc um and then in world war ii they invented these more advanced uh versions of encryption so Crypto AG made machines that were specifically to uh, for doing that. And what the Washington Post article talks about is that they were owned by the CIA the entire time that they were around. <laughs> so like every almost every encryption machine used in the world was uh, had a backdoor in it from the CIA. This is uh, some like 1950s Edward Snowden shit because the machines were actually like typewriters. That would have keys in them, and you just type your message out, and it scrambles it. Yeah, they're like so, in a they're like in a suitcase type of type of thing, and they right. have like and, these little wheels in them that are like wired together to encipher the, your message. And they became and, more advanced later on, but that was like the World War II version. Was it's called pin and lug? I didn't I didn't actually look up how that works. Um, but they, 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 yeah, they were portable too. They were like man units, so you could take it yeah. out in the field. Um, and, and like if you're an artillery unit or something, they would give you coordinates. Or uh, like the paratroopers in Normandy, one guy would have to carry this big son of a bitch around, and they would tell him like where to advance all their movements so they're not like going over the radio. It's encrypted, but uh, yeah, it's, it's so the CIA has been doing this. Edward Snowden, what he released, how they're spying on us now, they've been doing this to uh, governments the whole time. And, and when it goes to the state level, it would be from, like, your embassy to the other embassy. You you get some intel from your embassy because those are basically spy stations. Yeah, they would and, encrypt their diplomatic cables. Right. Which so is a phrase that everyone knows because of Snowden, I think. <laughs> right. It's Yeah, it goes more past the military but it's it's all it's all within that statecraft yeah and it's pretty crazy and another crazy thing is like the cia also compromised the navajo code talkers so like the navajo language was actually invented by the cia according to this article right yeah <laughs> just even more just oh, and they know. even made that movie about it and the movie lied to us what the fuck no no i <laughs> Are you telling me a piece of military propaganda out of Hollywood lies? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, th- actually, uh, 
we we've been saying kind of the wrong thing because this was actually a joint venture between the CIA and the BND, which is West German intelligence. It's like the Bunde Dangle uh, intelligence agency. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, they, they were both, uh, partners in this, uh, ownership of crypto AG. And so these machines were used by tons of States, including Iran, Libya, uh, various military juntas, uh, like the uh, the Falklands War, which is like a lesser known, uh, you know, post war era uh, to Americans. Yeah, Cold War like conflict. Uh, Britain basically invaded Argentina to uh, what secure an island that they claimed ownership of. Is that what it is? Good old market. Yeah, it was it was uh, some islands off of. Oh man. I should know. It was Argentina. Yeah, right? Argentina. Yeah, yeah. There, there are islands off Argentina. Margaret Thatcher, good old Mar- Margie, uh, wanted those islands to stay within like the British Empire, and uh, so yeah, they so just they sent their like pudgy fail sons over there with you know uh, what's that gun they use the the bullpup rifle, the stun gun or uh, no it's the yeah the yeah those gen- yeah whatever they're actually those goofy looking cool. rifles and uh, yeah they just helicoptered in there and. The, I, I, I'm thinking the only reason that they did well at all in that war was because they were spying on all of their communications. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, the article kind of goes into that, and we were like um, slipping the Brits uh, some info off of all the Argentinian uh, deciphers and everything. We knew exactly what they were doing the whole time. Yeah, and I think the so some of the states that we work with um, were in on it. But they weren't like funding it. Like the CIA was funding it, and the BND was also partially funding it. Um, yeah, I'm guessing the arrangement was like we, like we, as in the CIA, because I'm I'm an ex CIA person. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, you can say we. Yeah, I'll use so uh, we we sent messages to them, but didn't tell them like how we got them. It's like, yo, yeah, here's a message we just happened to decrypt uh, using our very powerful brains. And not any sort of backdoor. Yeah, the um, and then there was other states. I don't know if you covered this or not. I kind of got down later in the article. Um, that were our allies that we were spying on, like yeah. UK, Canada, Australia. We're all in on this. Um, I don't know specifically how in on it they were, but uh, right. But then like France, we. France bought these, and we just spied on France without them knowing it. So we knew everything that the French government was doing the entire time. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if, like, there has to be, like, conspiracy theorist people that knew about this. Because one of the things the article points out is, like, people were tipped off numerous times because of, like, careless statements by, like, Reagan and other presidents. Like, uh, oh, yeah. there was definitely something about... Reagan, I think it was when he was talking about the Contras, said, like, oh, we uh, intercepted this thing and, like, you know, we were able to decrypt it using, uh, 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 I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, it and- got, um, it, it got one of the uh, employees for the crypto company arrested in Iran and they held him for like a year. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they knew something, right? They knew the jig, like, there was something up, like, the jig was up. Right. So they went ahead and captured him when he came in and, these employees, um, the level of uh, information that they had was like nil. There was only like the CEO, I think, that was aware of it, and um, 
the guys that would go out and sell the machines because they they had like door to door salesmen basically. <laughs> That you know, you'd fly to Iran and be like, like the, "Hey, like the Cutco guys." <laughs> yeah, they're like instead of selling knives, they're like really bad encyclopedias. They're selling crypto machines to states. <laughs> this machine can encrypt right through a boot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so yeah, the jig was up. Carter also, um, Jimmy Carter's kid got in trouble. With yeah, some stuff. No, it was his. It was his brother. His brother oh, was, was working brother? for Muammar Gaddafi. He was on Muammar Gaddafi's payroll. <laughs> and they caught him through the crypto machine. Uh, the CIA, you like, figured it out. And yeah. there's a bunch of just, just craziness going on. And it, it's like, I mean, it, that stuff happens today. It's a lot easier to do today because we all buy crypto machines. We'll get into that when we talk about Bezos. Uh, w- one thing the article points out is like, since the CIA knew about all of this shit that was going on, it raises a lot of ethical questions like, did the CIA know about and allow to go on assassination plots and ethnic cleansing campaigns and human rights abuses? The answer is yes. Absolutely. Yes, South Africa had the machines, and uh, they were definitely doing um, uh, some really weird... Uh, eth- eth- I don't even know what to call the kind of genocide that they were doing down there, but it, it was like light genocide light where they were trying to, uh, yeah, it was ethnic cleansing. Desterilize. Yeah. Yeah. The black trying to, population. Trying to get all the black people out. Yeah. Yeah. And they're definitely like talking about it. It was within like the military and state channels. Um, one of the, one of the, uh, uh, who I guess he was a chemical engineer for him, uh, definitely got busted for it. And they were like, well, you know, it was within the laws of the state at the time, so no, no harm, no foul. He didn't commit a crime. Great, <laughs> right? But that settles it. <laughs> yeah. So, like the the CIA was definitely aware of like programs going on like that, and like, um, just you know, just insane shit. And they're like, well, we can't do anything about it because it would it would let people know that we're actually this deep into a spy network, and we won't be able to. Um, continue doing what we're doing and something worse might happen so like let's not get let's not show our hand in this poker game let's just let a couple thousand people die no harm no foul and so what what happened with this company uh was in in 2018 it was liquidated and sold off to two other companies one is called cy one security c-y-o-n-e uh so don't buy anything from them and the other is called Crypto International, uh, so don't buy anything from them either. And uh, each insisted it has no ongoing connection to any intelligence service. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Uh, but only one claimed to be unaware of CIA ownership. So the the Crypto International guy, uh, I guess Washington Post like reached out to him for a comment, and he was like, "Oh my god, I I feel so betrayed. I didn't even know that this was happening." bullshit but you know um you gotta you gotta act the part i guess right yeah the, there was as they changed ceos and everything it, they would have like a private meeting and uh when, when all this happened there's a really cool part in the article where they talk about there's a, a meeting that they had with the D and the cia's like spooky squirrels were in there and they they basically sat down to um like vet the guy and then um he was uh, Swedish, but he was American, and I think he fought 
alongside the Americans or something during World War II. Mm-hmm. And basically, they got like five minutes into the meeting, and this, this spooky squirrel guys were like, oh, this is our guy. Everyone <laughs> left, and they took him into a room with two guys, and they're like, so here's a briefcase full of money, and uh, we're going to completely fund your company because they were on the verge of bankruptcy and everything. Oh, okay. And, uh, until this money from the German and American state uh, came in that like the idea of this company actually like flourishing was, wasn't going to happen, but they dropped to drop bank millions and millions of dollars on this crazy spy network. They built. I can see a spooky squirrel out of the corner of my eye right now, by the yeah. way, it's like uh, eating, eating stuff in my backyard. <laughs> They're listening to us for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's amazing too that the, the people didn't, the employees didn't know it was like held up on the top. Uh, they were very levels. suspicious. Uh, but but right. before I get to that, uh, there's one one other thing. Psi One, uh, according to the article, has more substantial links to the now dissolved crypto, including that the new company's chief executive held the same position in crypto for nearly two decades of CIA ownership. Right. So, Psy so One that guy definitely spooks. <laughs> yeah, they know that that guy knew. Yeah. Um, to where did did you get into the part about the lady uh, cipher uh, scientist that they had, and she was kind of like aware of what was going on. Yeah, the, yeah, that's, like what was, that's what I was. I was about to get into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was I was gonna let you say it, but uh, yeah, basically, like the employees were very suspicious the whole time uh, because they were they would just get these algorithms from somewhere. And the, their bosses would be like, yeah, you have to use these. And they're like, uh, hey, these suck. And they're actually like not good encryption algorithms. And uh, they're like, oh, well, it's uh, it's from our uh, partnership with, with Siemens, you know, the German company Siemens. Uh, and they would try to fix things in the algorithms and they would get blocked by the executives. Um, and then what... Uh, what you were talking about, Soy Boy, is uh, I think at one point uh, this woman created a, a really strong encryption algorithm, and about fifty crypto machines were going into production, and they they had started making them, and then the CIA came in and blocked the production and replaced the algorithm in the machines with their compromised one, and then they sold. They, they made sure that those machines were specifically sold to banks instead of their foreign adversaries. Right. And that's the other... So Motorola is in on this also. Um, oh, I didn't get to that part. Yeah, Motorola and, and Siemens are two of the corporations that worked with them, but I'm not... I don't think they were, like, aware of the full aspect of it. They were just providing, like, computer boards and, and stuff, like, you know, the stuff that they made. Gotcha. Yeah. Um... And, uh, right. So like, oh, those, in those 50 that they made, they didn't, they didn't, uh, yeah, they sent them to banks. So the banks right. are in on this also. So they're like kind of spying on the banks as well, kind of, sort of, but like they didn't really, well, they, it they wasn't sent the strongly a, encrypted ones, the ones that, the, uh, with that woman's algorithm, they sent those to the banks because they, they don't care as much about spying on banks as they do about spying on like Libya or Argentina. Right, the banks are the worldwide good guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really she. When I think yeah, bank, she I would, think good. Right, loosely <laughs> using that word. Uh, they really would, nice yeah, they, fellas. <laughs> yeah, the designers would get in like a block with it, and they would just be like, "No, no, 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 it's okay." And uh, 
some of them would quit after like banging their heads against the wall trying to fix it and and they're just, they just, just the other thing like they did, did to keep them quiet though was they they paid them really well and gave them really good benefits including uh they were uh, they had access to a sailboat that they could use whenever they wanted at this lake that was like one yeah. of the company perks <laughs> yeah and it just made it look even more suspicious but they yeah, would be if like you well you know company and one of the perks is you get a boat you are working for the cia <laughs> Yeah, they love to give away boats for sure. That's one of their things. Yeah, they, and they would just be like, "Well, I'll just go along with it. The money's good." And then eventually, some of them would quit, and it and they there's some like deaths involved. Also, I don't want to go full Epstein into the episode, but some of the uh, the employees and stuff and the higher ups like died a little bit maybe 10 20 years younger than they just should a little have. bit <laughs> just a little bit you know mysteriously disappeared so if Watch you that. if you do work for a company that uh has a boat as one of your perks don't make a big stink about it just put your two weeks in or else yeah. you, you're gonna get killed yeah don't don't show your hand don't show your hand in the poker game just kind of you know family emergency here's my two weeks notice and leave quietly Alternatively, uh, you could stealthily put a recording device in your meeting room uh, to figure out who the agents are that your uh, bosses are talking to. Yeah, that's or just a good put your two weeks too. in. You know, either way. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's, the paper was crazy. It's definitely worth the read, especially if you're into like what Edward Snowden's doing. I can't remember any of those programs that. Um, the yeah, they all have really stupid names. Stuff. Right, I can't remember. I uh, should have studied some of that stuff before we got into like, this. But uh, it's called shit like you know, uh, like uh, fevered sweater, Operation Fevered Sweater, or something like that. Operation Spy on Soccer Moms. <laughs> yes. Operation uh, Rolling Grinder. Yeah. Rolling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Since we're talking about the CIA investing and stuff, I thought this would be a good time. I've been meaning to do this episode for, like, over a year. Um, I think it's a good time to talk about InQtel, which is a company that is owned by the CIA, or is, it's, like, legally independent from the CIA, but it's basically, like, the investment arm of the CIA. And so they get, uh, like, tens of millions of dollars every year to invest in tech companies. Uh, it was started in 1999 by Norman Augustine, who is a war profiteer from Lockheed Martin, and Gilman Louie, who is a game designer. He's the, he's the game designer who actually privatized Tetris. So Tetris was originally a Soviet game, and uh, so he licensed it and brought it to the United States. So if you've ever played Tetris, uh, you are personally responsible for everything the CIA does. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, the game designer also created the Falcon series of flight simulators. So like Falcon oh, Gold, Falcon no. 4.0, all those. My, yeah. my hands are covered in blood. Yeah. Sorry, man. Uh, and <laughs> my flight sticks guilty that uh, Tetris you, you first... killed Salvador Allende. <laughs> I hope you realize yeah, that. <laughs> I, I guess I'll take fault. When Tetris first came out uh, for the NES, uh, I'm going to show my age here. They they had one release that wasn't because um, it wasn't copyrighted yet because it came uh-huh. from the Soviets, and that that cart for the NES is worth just a shit ton of money. 
because they they did like a, a limited release. It was going to be a full release, and they had to pump the brakes on it because of uh, Gilliam Louis uh, privatizing of it. And then they came out with like a different. I think it was a different game company and everything. Just a little Nintendo history for y'all. Damn, I'm a nerd. Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird. Really weird how all of this stuff rolls into like how how large the CIA's hand is and everything. Yeah. So yeah, Incutel is located in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, so I could actually drive to it. It's about thirty minutes away from me, uh, and they have uh, quite quite a investment portfolio. The most well known company that Incutel has invested in is a little mom and pop shop called Google. So oh, yeah. early in the two thousands, they bought a simulation of of the globe from a game company called Intrinsic Graphics, and uh, that product evolved into something called Keyhole. Uh, which, funnily enough, I I was in this like uh, Keyhole, like a yeah, I was in this like uh, like IT type class in in high school, and the um, what's his name, the teacher. God, I can't remember the name teacher. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the teacher of the class was obsessed with Keyhole, uh, which had just come out because it was it was like a new and shiny thing. You could, you know, scroll around the globe and zoom in and out and, you know, look at different countries. And, it was, you know, it was like a, go- uh, you know, globe, but like interactive on a computer. Um, so kind of like Google Earth. Well, that's dun, dun, dun. Uh, actually what it became. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, Keyhole evolved into Google Earth, which then evolved into Google Maps. Um, and uh, yeah, Keyhole was actually used a lot uh, in the early stages of the Iraq War. They had this deal with CNN uh, to exclusively use Keyhole to show any sort of maps of the war. And so they would, you know, show the globe and they would zoom in to Iraq to show you all the cool action that was happening during the very genocidal Iraq war. Um, totally not propaganda at all on CNN's yeah. part. Using no. something funded by the CIA. Yeah. Um, no connections. No connections <laughs> to propaganda at all. So up until 2005, Incutel had uh, $2.2 million in Google shares, which it then sold. Um, unfortunately, I did not time to read the article but uh there are possibly other connections to the cia and the nsa uh via research grants for google technology so there's a lot of connections between google and the cia and uh just be aware if you're using any google products uh the cia knows everything you're doing (laughs) yeah google maps canceled everyone start using waves now (laughs) well don't, don't use waves either because of bds so just use use a map yeah just use a regular ass map man it's fine yeah apple Apple, i think also will cooperate with intelligence agencies they definitely did well no they what they do with the san bernardino shooter (laughs) they did not cooperate with them did they no they they wouldn't release um but yeah they wouldn't break they wouldn't let the cia had to hire hackers to back it to get in it back into the, the iphone that he had yeah, I think I the think. thing with that actually was that like it wasn't that they didn't want to, it was that there it was like technically impossible for them to do what they were asking for without compromising like every single 
iPhone in the world. Um, and it would just have right. been like very technically difficult, like at all, because of the way that they have it and set up. Once they did it, they were worried about like a waterfall effect. So once once they figured that out, then like everybody else would be able to figure it out. And yeah, it, it was basically like, oh, we we want you to uh, create uh, like a version of iOS that we can upload onto this phone uh, in order to read the encrypted data on the phone, which if, if they had that, then they would be able to crack any iPhone in the world because there's no way for them to like make it only apply to that one phone. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, good, don't, good don't trust any, don't trust any uh, computer basically is what we're saying. Anything with a microphone was probably funded by the CIA at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Incutel has quite a, a substantial portfolio. So, uh, you can actually look at the companies they've invested in. Uh, almost definitely not all of them, but uh, they've invested like tens of millions of dollars. So, there's on the portfolio page, they have seven pages with 40 companies on each page. So, that it's like close to 300 <laughs> companies. Uh, out of the ones that are disclosed. So some of the highlights here. Uh, th- the most evil sounding one that I found was called Echo Dine, which sounds like something out of fucking Terminator to me. I was um, going to go with Terminator on that also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they make uh, radar-based ground sensors for autonomous vehicles. So uh, basically... Terminator. Yeah, Terminator. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's they quote... Uh, their like ad copy or press release or whatever it, it says echo dine is a privately held company backed by bill gates nea i don't i don't know which nea is i'm assuming it's not the national educators association but some other thing um madrona venture group which is um also uh bill gates uh vulcan capital and looks capital and uh vulcan capital is paul allen from microsoft who also owns the seattle seahawks and uh i am almost 100 percent sure that that is a reference to the vulcans from star trek fucking nerd. absolutely absolutely <laughs> uh, and lux capital is just another private investment uh company but they have like a revolving door thing with the cia so they have like cia agents former CIA people working for that company. Uh, so that's Echodyne. There's also Expect Labs, which created an API that enables any app to be voice-abled. Hmm, I wonder why the CIA might be interested in an app that interprets speech. <laughs> Very curious. Yeah. Uh, another one is Synapse Technology Corporation. And that is a company that writes software that automates the analysis of x-ray scanners, like the ones used at airports. So they they have software that automatically laughs at how small your pecker and beans are. <laughs> <laughs> and they can see that, too. They can see your dangling. Yeah. Or your lack of dangling. Um, Don't isolate anybody. <laughs> another one. Oh, my God. I just realized I was reading this wrong yesterday. It's T-A-M-R. I thought it was Tamer, but I think it's supposed to be Tamer. Oh, like, that's even like worse. Lion tamer. Yeah. So they have yeah. real BDSM vibes going here. Uh, so Tamer is a 
what they call a data unification company that touts its use by Toyota, GE, Thomson Reuters, and GlaxoSmithKline, among others. And so basically it sounds like they take all the disparate types of data that corporations have been collecting on us for the past like 20 years or so and integrates them to find new ways to label you a terrorist or sell you boner pills or whatever. (laughs) And so I looked at their case studies and uh, I I wrote that sentence before I looked at the case studies and I was exactly correct. So they have one case study where they worked with the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, to basically label people terrorists. And another one where they work with GlaxoSmithKline, which is a pharmaceutical company, to create new pharmaceuticals. So, boner pills. <laughs> so Yay. <I> it. <laughs> boner uh, pills are definitely better than the brain pills that Alex Jones uh, sells. The, the boner pills actually work, but yeah. now the CIA knows when you have a boner. Or lack of boners. One of my favorite fun facts is that... Uh, Viagra started as a heart medication. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I gave my son's on it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was for babies, and the side effects I looked on it, it, it definitely gives you that warning that Viagra does. If you have, like, a... a, a priapism. Uh, <laughs> right. If you have, a like, a, a boner for more than four hours, go see... Um, go to, you know, go to your nearest, like, medical place or whatever. He's uh, two... So, no, no boners yet, but uh, there's I got I got hope for the little guy. That would be a very um, funny boner to have, <laughs> a little baby boner. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really messed up because uh, the that cost uh, about four thousand dollars that prescription, and uh, it yeets out my uh, my uh, uh, insurance like really bad to where I have to pay a maximum copay, which I didn't even know. There was such a thing, and it's like $150 a month. Usually I'd get them for free almost because the insurance is so good. Or I'd have to pay like maybe $20. On this one, it's like $150. And it's crazy. The, the doctor straight up told me if I just had like three Viagras, I crushed them down and uh, put them in like a liquid and gave it to him, it would be the same thing. I'm like, guy, why don't you just give me that? Because <laughs> insurance will give me Viagra for free. Well, as a podcaster, I'm legally obligated to let you know that you can get uh, Blue Chew uh, online uh, for you know a fraction of the cost of Viagra. So you can always try that. Oh, hey, sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not going to mess with it because it's a baby. But if it was me, I would just be getting some street Viagra and yeah. smashing it up and take Because <laughs> it's crazy. I have to get it from a different state and everything also just to make the insurance work because if I got it from the state I'm from, the insurance wouldn't cover it. But that if I get it from really Florida, fucked. yeah, it's a total nightmare. Um, Bernie Sanders, 2020 Medicare for, for all anyway, y'all. You know? Right. Like, why isn't that just free? It's a baby. Yeah. You don't want to, he needs it to live. Like, uh, Republicans so are supposed to love babies. Right. Like, I did the right thing. We didn't get the abortion. Yeah. Like, Come on, man. Help me out here. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Roger that. He, he's alive now. That's all that needed to happen. Yeah. So wh- where were we at? <laughs> so the last one that I have highlighted here is GitLab, which is a Git-based software repository service. So the, the, mo- the more well-known Git repository is GitHub. That's where like 90% of uh, open source projects are hosted. Um. And GitHub was recently bought by Microsoft, and you know people were freaking out about that. And because you know 
it's Microsoft, so they they might be like adapting code and doing their classic uh, extend, embrace, extend, extinguish strategy, which I believe that we have an episode about that. Uh, I don't I don't know which one offhand, but if you are interested in learning what Microsoft does to software, uh, you can look at our back catalog to see. Um, and so when that, however, when that that acquisition happened, people were saying, Oh, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of alternatives like GitLab. Well, GitLab is owned by the fucking CIA. So maybe you should stick with GitHub. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, Microsoft obviously, uh, doesn't have an issue working with the CIA either. If you go back to all those other companies we were listening, Bill Gates was, uh, his name was all over it. So yeah. Yeah. Good times. Fun, fun yeah. world we live in. Um, oh, there was also one more uh, that I actually told my coworkers about because it sounded useful. Uh, I can't remember the name offhand because I didn't write it down, but I am pulling that message up. It's called Paxada, and uh, it's a company that uh, they have software that like automates, sort of automates uh, data cleanup for when you. Uh, need to pull it into like a business analytics or sorry, business intelligence program. So if you have a bunch of raw data, it lets you visually figure out how to clean it up into a format that you can pull into like Excel or Power BI or Tableau or something. Um, I'm sure this is terribly interesting to my listeners, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'm interested in it. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, but yeah, most, most of the companies they invest in, uh, in the past like five years or so, they are companies that handle large scale data analysis. So they're basically taking all of the data that they have on, uh, you know, you and foreign powers and all that stuff. And uh, they're trying to uh, analyze it at a large scale. And so another uh, part of that program is uh, they have a $600 million contract with Amazon. Uh, to provide it with cloud computing services. So I think most people know what the cloud is by now, but just in case you don't, it's basically just a corporation running massive server farms uh, so that, you know, it's someone else's computer, basically. So, you know, you buy uh, the use of... You you rent a computer from Amazon. That's basically what the cloud is. Um, So they have a $600 million contract to provide the CIA with... Uh, computing services. Um, they also have a new program that it's creating called Commercial Cloud Enterprise. And in, in classic uh, intelligence agency jargon, it's not abbreviated CCE, it's abbreviated C2E. Logical. Um, yeah, exactly. C squared. Yeah, C squared E. And they are planning to award tens of billions of dollars to companies for running huge server farms that they can use to, like, read all your signal messages and shit. So. Right. Those server farms also are just, like, horrible for the environment. If you Google, like, pictures of server farms, it's just these gigantic warehouses that have to be kept uh, really, really cold because they're full of huge server computers if the if the ac goes up they use like liquid nitrogen to keep everything cool yeah they generate um, enormous yeah. amounts of heat yeah and just shitloads of electricity going in to make it work like if All you're watching Netflix, bitcoin and look at your dick pics 
Yeah, yeah, just a point. Yeah, exactly. And let you watch Netflix because Netflix yeah. is a big server. Well, that part is also good. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's good. We can get our animate there. Thank you. But uh, the dolphins aren't excited about it. I've been talking to them. They're kind of pissed. And uh, you brought up Signal. Um, the they're not going to read your Signal messages, not yet, at least. Well, I think I think part of the uh, rationale for getting these giant massive server farms is so they can they can decrypt stuff that requires more like brute force type approaches um i don't know if they i don't i don't know if signals compromised but i think they probably Uh, have ways to read your signal messages what they can get because it's it's p2p is just a little bit of metadata off of your like they'll they're aware that you're using signal Uh and they'll they'll see where um, like who you're communicating with, right? Like the okay. phone number that it's going to, and that's that's it. So they can make like a network off of that. But what is actually being like transmitted between signal users uh, is is encrypted on the phone itself. And then it's a really good idea to have your messages burn. Like you can set it up every week, five minutes whatever and it'll burn the messages so they, they don't exist anymore so they're not going to be able oh to, i didn't know uh, that nice uh yeah we'll, we'll talk a little bit more that. about signal uh towards the end because you you okay. have a couple articles that you you sent to me that we can talk about yeah um yeah i'm really into crypto stuff so this is kind nice of nice my yeah uh so let's see um oh yeah i from this article that was talking about the cloud computing stuff <laughs> I just found this thing that really made me mad, and I want to make you all mad, too. So there is a, a similar uh, Department of Defense program for you know large-scale uh, cloud computing. Um, and I'm just going to quote the article. If the CIA follows through on its intention to use multiple companies, it may inv- avoid the industry criticism that has plagued the Department of Def- uh, Defense Department's plans to award its $10 billion Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure contract or Jedi to a sole company. So these these little turds think they're the scrappy rebels fighting the evil empire. <laughs> and for the record, that's the second time the DODs used the word uh, Jedi for something. Really? If you if you ever watch the um, Men Who Stare at Goats, which is based off of a book, uh-huh. yeah, they had like a Jedi thing that they used. The guy supposedly came up with it before Star Wars came out, but... Uh, yeah right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The movies, right, the movies, man. movies, really good. It's a comedy um, based on like a book that supposedly is true. And uh, is that yeah. the one where they the department were like psychic or whatever? Yeah, they were trying to use psychic forces. It all came through uh, this one general, I believe, read some disinformation that the Soviet Union was using like psychic spies, and it. The Cold War is really interesting. They would put out disinformation on things that they weren't even like the other country wasn't doing to get that country to start sinking funds into doing something along that lines that would eventually like make them go bankrupt. But then yeah, like with the our combat psychic, dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. Those are actually real though. They are um, real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we came out with it and said it was like working. So then the Soviet union went actually into it and started doing it as well. So yeah, cold wars are stupid. But yeah, they use the term Jedi also. So this is like the second time they've used that. But when you're dealing with a bunch of computer nerds, sorry about that, Ryan. 
And you um, have a program called Jedi. They're going to jump all over that shit. Yeah, no offense I mean, taken. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of hey, hate other computer people. Right. And, I mean, I'm a Star Wars nerd. I would be pretty stoked about being on that program until I kind of figured out what was going on. And then yeah. I'll put my two, yeah. two weeks notice in, make sure I don't have any recording devices, and leave. And hopefully I could have a nice long life after after that. Yeah, I'm in the like you know the capital of defense contracting, uh, which is you know uh, I mean it's more Loudoun County. Um, I'm in Fairfax County, but yeah, they have all sorts of like sci-fi nerd references all over the place. the The road to get to uh, Northrop Grumman is called Warp Drive. Oh God! And every oh, God, every no. fucking time I drive down that road and see that sign, I get so mad. <laughs> Uh, yeah i don't have any trek references i should but yeah i would probably say something stupid when i turned on that road yeah make it so it's, it's <laughs> fucking wild driving uh the, the road is route 28 that's where like almost all of the defense contractors are that are not in arlington um and there's like all sorts of evil sounding companies my, my favorite one is called Gen- genesis like g-e-n-e S-Y-S, which also sounds like it's straight out of Terminator to me. Yeah, that's a Terminator-ish. They probably make like the uh, arms or legs or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, they use that stuff and they don't even realize how like evil it sounds. Like, you guys realize that that's a bad thing, right? No, it's cool. It, it's no. from a movie. Yeah, yeah the it's movie like where, the people that... where defense contractors invent robots that kill everyone. <laughs> Right. There's the people that watch like Full Metal Jacket and think it's like a pro war movie. Yeah. Totally yep. just clueless. The next thing I wanted to talk about is General Atomics. Uh, so General Atomics is a nuclear power company based out of San Diego, California. Uh, it was... Uh, Created in 1955, and since then it's, it, it was passed through a lot of hands, such as Gulf Oil, uh, Royal Dutch Shell, which is an oil company, and Chevron, also, which is also Shell. an oil company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. In 1986, it was bought by these two fail sons named Neil and Lyndon Blue for $60 million, no, using God knows what fucking money. <laughs> uh, Neil Blue's Wikipedia page is literally just he graduated from Yale and then he bought a company for $60 million. Uh, and Lyndon blue worked for, he was like the CEO of Raytheon for a little bit. So maybe that's where they got the money, but 60 million seems like a lot for just two guys to have lying around. Uh, I'm going to quote from this article from vice talking about general atomics. So they say the blues inevitable ascent within the aviation industry dovetailed with a developing hatred for communism. Eventually, the brothers set up shop in Nicaragua, running a cocoa and banana plantation with the family of former president Anastasio Somoza, the notorious dictator who was overthrown by the Sandinista Liberation Front, the socialist party that prompted the Reagan administration to illegally fund weapons to the, funnel weapons to the Contras. So it was an urge to help their friends fend off freedom fighters that, did I say friend off? fend off freedom fighters in Central America <laughs> that had the blues warming first warming up to drones. They quote them as saying, you could launch them from behind the line of sight, said Neil, 
figuring that light aircraft could be used to destroy Sandinista oil pipelines. You would have total deniability. So basically, uh, these two brothers bought a, a nuclear energy company and they created the Predator drone, the famous drone, uh, to uh, blow up the Sandinista's infrastructure to uh, bring back a military junta to control Nicaragua. Just spilling shitloads of oil all at the same time also. Yeah. Just just good good stuff right there. <laughs> what do you think of that, Soy Boy, about the Predator being invented to help the Contras? Well, it's really fucked up on a bunch of different uh, levels. So now you got the Iran-Contra um, business that was going on. Yep. Uh, and now you have these drones that are responsible for just... Uh, Killing all kinds of innocent women and children all over the place, and yeah. uh, they're bombing oil pipelines. Which I'm not really sure if that's a war crime, but it's definitely a crime against humanity because uh, there's a lot of bonus that you get on that. You just got oil spills all over the place. Um, you're gonna make it hard for like people to move around, get power, all kinds of just holy fucking shit. <laughs> Ah, just turn it off two people. like you don't have to blow it up just turn it off <laughs> yeah yeah there's yeah there's that's a lot of evil all right there but uh oh my god yeah and they think uh their friends their so-called so-called quote friends aren't really those are bad guys also like oof oof one of the one of the other things in the article that really uh triggered me i guess was they said that drones had a public relations problem so, uh, who who solved that problem for us? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <Fucking> asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, what, what's his drone nickname? Does, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, well, it's okay, because our boys, there's no boots on the ground. No, there's just airplanes flying over people's heads, just indiscriminately bombing them. Killed an American citizen. Totally against yep. the law. Yep. Triple tap. <sighs> drone strikes. Yeah, Soul's got a really good song about how the uh, Predator drones the new national bird, and uh, goodbye, <laughs> Amer- the bald eagle. Um, Damn, it, it's a good banger, and it's all real, super, super real, really just disturbing. And those are like Terminators, also. Yeah, they are They're basically. Yeah. They they got autonomous ones and stuff now. That's 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 the Terminator. Yep, that is a Terminator. Real, like, first first generation. I usually call them flying kill droids when I'm talking about drones. Oh, and also yeah. I, I came up with a word uh, that is very similar to tanky for people who apologize to, uh, for Obama, which is uh, droney. So if anyone's yeah, ever, that works. Yeah. If anyone's ever saying that Obama was good, just call them a droney and then you win the argument instantly. <laughs> okay, droney. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I'm putting that in my repertoire. I'm going to use that. Yeah. All right. So tell us, uh, tell us about uh, civilian encryption because uh, I I read a little bit of that article, but I was in a rush to read all of the other shit because I got distracted watching The Sopranos on Friday night, so I didn't yeah, get that, to get through all of that it. That happens. So um, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So Wired just came out with an article. It's going to be in the show notes, and it's about uh, signal encrypted messaging features. Uh, if you're a Signal user, you can 
you might have noticed um, you can start using like emojis in the Signal uh, app. So what is uh, what is Signal for people who don't know? Oh, good call. It's a P2P uh, encryption app that you use for messaging. Um, there was WhatsApp, and it was uh, pretty secure, but it got bought out by Facebook. I want it right. So Facebook. Yeah. So it's really popular in Europe, in the Middle East, and probably in Asia. Uh, a lot of people yeah, it's use used it by like over one there. third of the world's population, or some shit like that. Right, but it's it's also owned by Facebook. So the yeah. trust I have in using WhatsApp is a uh, very minimal uh, yeah. signal. However, uh, was created by an anarchist named uh, Moxie Marling Spike. Um, what they got going on right now is oh, I should have took some notes on this. Uh, signal's been used in some TV shows. Like they've shown, oh, really? uh, like yeah, like uh, the Mr. Robot show, oh, okay. epi- episode of Veep, I believe they used it in. Is, and is, uh, is Mr. Robot good beyond the first season? I only watched the first season. Ah, uh, I'm gonna take the fifth on that one. I like <laughs> it, but uh, it, it's like a technical side of it and everything. Uh-huh. I'm not 100 percent sure on. And then it gets to one point where you're like. Like it goes like the Fight Club movie and everything. And you're like, all right, yeah, let's fucking do this. And in you know, there's spoilers, but like it doesn't really work out the way that you would, you're you're like hoping it works out. And like supposedly like morals come into things and stuff, but so not as, not as revolutionary <clears throat> as you might hope. Is that is that what you mean? Right. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of how the second season goes. In that a was third my worry. Season. That's why I never watched Beyond the first season. I was like, this is cool, and they're actually like doing revolution shit. And I feel like whatever happens after this is gonna be like, oh, actually, never mind. It's bad to do this. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's kind of what happens. And then the third season, they're kind of coming, <laughs> coming, they're coming back from it. Um, so like, it's signal super popular right now. Yeah, it's said in the in the um. In the Wired article, it mentions something about like the the amount of growth that Signal's doing as an app is like what all app developers like dream of, and it's it's free, so like they're not looking to like make any money off of it. They would like donations though, so if you feel like donating any money, please uh, send it their way. And yeah, like guys, nonprofit company, right? It's nonprofit, and they're basically what they're working on is a way for us to fight against what we just kind of did a whole entire podcast about. Um, it's P2P, which means it's like person to person encryption. So the encryption, it stays on your phone. It sends a signal message over to like your phone, Ryan, and then it, it, it deciphers everything. So if you catch it in the middle, which is kind of like what Snowden was talking about, like if you send a regular text message, they can read that whole text message beyond the metadata like the metadata will say where the message was sent from what kind of phone you're using what kind of os you have on the phone all that stuff where signal at you just know that there's a signal message being sent from here from this person to this other person they might be able to geolocate it I'm, i'm pretty sure they could probably do that but what's what message is going out through it is uh indecipherable because it's uh, peer-to-peer, um, which is the right term, not person-to-person, but I think this is the same. Anyways, uh, so I highly encourage everyone to just try to get everyone to use Signal. So the more people that use it, I wasn't really sure how many people <clears throat> used it outside like um, my like activist and organizing base, 
But that Wired article made it sound like basically everybody is using it, and it's it's really blowing up right now. Um, yeah, one one thing we should uh, make very clear it it only works as an encrypted messaging service if both people are using it. So if if you have Signal installed, but you're messaging someone that doesn't have it installed, then it's just a clear text message. Right. Yeah, you just send a regular text message over it. So everyone needs to get, like, the Signal app, and then you communicate between Signals. You can do uh, phone calls also. Yeah. And the the phone call will be encrypted as well, so they can't listen to uh, what you're saying. But if you have, like, a Google or uh, Amazon device in your house with a microphone, they're going to hear it anyways. True. True. Uh, Right. Yeah, don't get um, get echoes. Don't get rings. Don't get any of that bullshit. They're all copies. Yeah, none of that. Yeah, they're all, uh, I think this episode clearly pointed out that the CIA or the DOD's got, like, their hands in that stuff. So, like, they're able to listen in on whatever conversations you're having. Um, Not that you're necessarily having any wild conversations that you should be worried about covering up from them. It's just a, uh, you know, it makes you feel a little bit better that, you know, your own government's not spying on you. Um, so with the growth, that article that Wired uh, was talking about is um, is that there, so originally when Signal first came out, it was just like real basic bare bones. Um, if you're like you can do like group threads in it, like a group text message, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to uh, kind of figure out what's going on if you're like right in the middle. Of, like you open up the app and, and you had like ten messages in it in like one like group message. Uh, to figure out who the hell's talking and who's saying what or whatever, it was like really hard to communicate um, to just figure it out because usually they just have like the people's cell phone number on it or whatever. And like right. no one necessarily wants to put like an icon or their name on the signal because part of the thing is like you're trying to be sneaky and stuff. So it, the, like a group, if you're using more than like 10 people in one of those things, it's a real pain in the ass to kind of figure out who's saying what. And what they're doing now is trying to make it more uh, user-friendly, kind of make it like a Facebook messenger or... Uh, yeah, part of, the, uh, part of the issue was, like, your contacts weren't secured. So they're they're developing a way to secure your contacts as well because... Right. Yeah. They would know right. and uh, you have talked to them at some point by just pulling your contacts from Google or whatever. Right. If you send a photo through um, Signal, once you so like you send me a photo and I download it off of the Signal, it Signal wipes the metadata off that photo. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. You can use nice. another app to to wipe it cleaner, um, but it it will take the photo. It it take that image or I think the video also. If you send video, I tried to send video through Signal the other day and it was kind of a pain. Um, I have some computer nerd friends and we're all into crypto and we, we go through all these different apps that come out and try to use, um, just kind of see how they work. If we can break them, fun stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I was trying to send a video and it was, it was, it was a video from an Android phone to an iPhone and I was trying to send it and it, it didn't like the, I think it was like an MP4 or something, but it, it did eventually work. What I had to do is open up my photo bin and then it showed me the videos. When you press the photo button, it just shows you like the like the quick button to pull them up to send. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't show the video. You had to actually open up like the album that the video was in mm. to access it, and then to send it. Um, and then the phone conversations on it, you'll 
it's getting a lot better, but you can drop, like you'll drop um, calls and everything. Like if you don't have good service, cell phone reception, uh, it, it makes the app work a little bit difficult, but like it's, it's encrypting everything at the same time. So like there's a whole bunch of math in the background going on, uh, trying to hide you from it, but it's, Definitely suggest everybody just get that and use it like day to day as much as you can because what that does is and it sends out so much metadata from everybody using it. Like it, they have millions of users from what I gathered from that Wired article. So now that like the NSA and CIA has to like they're just receiving all this like you're flooding them so they can't necessarily like just pinpoint like if it was just like um, activists using it or like eight like different agents that you should be like worried about they could focus directly on those people but like if soccer moms are using it to talk about the kids soccer practice and who's going to bring the oranges now it's throwing them for a loop because now there's all these other signal messages going out and it's just like regular mundane day-to-day stuff yeah agents use it um yeah yeah everyone's using it now it's it's pretty cool and it's also like because of like the number of investments that inqtel has in these massive data analytic companies it's almost certain that even if you are not directly talking to like someone you know one of your activist friends who does antifa shit even if you're not talking to them about doing antifa shit they can still glean a lot of information off of your conversations you know like indirectly uh, like on what they're doing um, right, they can the same way that like Facebook creates profiles for people that aren't on the app. Um, you know, they can get a lot of information about someone just from your unsecured conversations with people who aren't directly working with them. So even if you right. aren't involved personally involved in like any you know illegal organiza- organizing or whatever or organizing that the CIA would care about, you should still get it because if you talk to someone who is then you could still be compromising them in, indirectly. So just right. everyone, okay. get it. Uh, everyone please get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just get it and try to use it. Um, Cause it, it, yeah, it makes, it makes the web bigger. So it's yeah. harder for them to get in there and, and figure out who's doing what and whatnot. And uh, actually doing that helps state agencies and stuff that they would probably want to be spying on because um, from what I gathered on, on on that article, everyone's everyone's using it from like uh, like ambassadors to like soccer moms and stuff. I'm kind of surprised some people I meet. I'll talk about this stuff. Somehow it comes up in the conversation. I'm like, oh yeah, I use Signal. And I'm like, what? What? Um, Every like, time you install uh, Signal, the uh, director of the CIA's uh, future yacht uh, gets one inch smaller. So. Yeah, just yeah, think of it that go, way. go with that. Yeah, go with that. It's it's pretty cool because it's all um you know it's nonprofit. It's yeah. started by an, an anarchist out of uh, Oakland. Um, and his who also his worked life, on uh, worked for Twitter at one point. He was like the CTO of Twitter. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty wild. So he's a poster too. <laughs> yeah, he's a poster and. All, all kinds of good stuff, but um, that's like the one thing I'm trying to think of. There's another one called Keybase that's like P2P. WhatsApp mm-hmm. supposedly is P2P, um, and then there's like different email services that you can use. Yeah, Proton uh, Mail is the one I use. Yeah, Proton Mail is like the really 
uh, big one right now that's good. Um, and then there's some DIY companies that are doing it, and they have like uh, I can't remember the name of them right now, but the Proton Mail they they have like a statement like if the government serves them a warrant, they uh, they will act in a certain way to it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is they're in Switzerland, so if they like if you're in America, they they have to jump through like a whole bunch of different international hoops to nice. to 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 access all of that. And it's it it those emails are just like the text messages that you would be sending over Signal or WhatsApp. They're peer to peer, so it's they're not going to get any information. All they're going to get is the metadata. Like they'll know that I sent you an email at like five thirty in the morning from wherever my VPN says I was at. Right. Which is another good thing to use to help scramble signals is uh, install a VPN program on all your devices, your laptop, your phones. But make sure it's not an American VPN. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you can also, um, certain routers, you can just install a VPN service onto the router. So anybody that comes into your house, uh, when they're on the internet, you can use the VPN. Like when they come in and access your, your Wi-Fi, if they're good friends and you do that, uh, they're going to be like their IP, their IP address is going to be coming from like Moscow or Saudi Arabia or whatever you got your VPN set to also. Yeah. Which is really cool if you use streaming services like Netflix and stuff. If you install it on your on your router, uh, you can access like British Netflix, nice. Japan, Jap- Japanese Netflix and everything. So some of the security stuff is kind of cool to learn about just so you can like watch the movies that you can't watch over here in America. Like there's, there's other benefits to it besides having some uh, secret squirrel spying on you. So since this is a regular episode, I have to uh, continue with my reading of DOS Capital. So I haven't made as much progress as I did last time. I uh, Someone messaged me, Eric Smells Funny on Twitter, uh, messaged me and suggested that I grab the 70s Penguin Classics translation because it's a lot better. Uh, I was using the one on Marxist.org. Uh, so that, that translation, you can find it on LibGen, so you can get it easily for free. Uh, so that's what I'm going to be using... Uh, starting in the next section, I, I read this uh, section on the Marxist.org translation, which is very bad. Uh, but so section three, this is chapter one, section three. And basically Marx is talking still about commodities. So he says commodities are objects of utility and depositories of value. Uh, the latter is how economists describe money. Uh, they say it's like a store of value, and I think that's wrong. And I also think it's wrong when Marx does it about commodities. Uh, I don't think it makes sense to say something stores value. I don't like. How, how does that make sense? Does it make sense to you? None of it. No, Marx. Doesn't I don't make sense. <laughs> like value isn't like a tangible thing, so it can't really store anything. And also, like commodities can become less valuable. I don't know. But anyway. Right, Go ahead. They were like on a gold standard with money back then, weren't they? So, yeah, that like doesn't really mean anything. Storing no. the gold. 
Right. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah all that means is like supposedly you can take your bills to the uh, you know the treasury or the central bank and exchange it for an amount of gold, dust. but like a little bit of gold yeah, dust. I don't think that yeah. in practice actually ever happened. <laughs> no. Um, no. Yeah. That's that's the gold standard thing is like a mostly a weird libertarian thing now. Yeah, I was just trying to help Marks out with how he was storing this. <laughs> True, yeah. So he he returns to droning on endlessly about how linen and coats are both embodiments of labor, which I understood completely and immediately when he spent the entire first and second section talking about it. So I don't know what he's still doing talking about it. Um, there's this really weird paragraph that I highlighted. Maybe this is a translation thing, but I just want to read it anyway because it's it sounds like Joe Biden or something. Uh, the <laughs> passages A, for instance, cannot be quote your Majesty to be unless at the same time Majesty in B's eyes assumes the bodily form of A, and what is more, with every new father of the people changes its features, hair, and many other things besides. What the fuck? <laughs> I'd have to read that to like you reading it doesn't make any sense to me. I'd actually have to like read that to make any logic out of it. A, yeah, he's a, totally for doing instance, a Biden. He used to have these real blonde leg hairs. They would they would get they would get blonde in the sun. And 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 and, and, and they cannot be your majesty to be unless at the same time majesty in B's eyes assumes the bodily form of A. Like, it really sounds like Joe Biden to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's, like, on the playground and he's about to get in a fight with a hot dog or whatever his name was. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yeah, he's talking in, like, some sort of weird circle. It might be a translation thing. Yeah, that, it's got to be. Because that, that just makes no comes, sense to me. Um, comes out. like That's why Marxists think they're like uh superior intelligence to everybody else because they can read that garbage <laughs> and decipher it into something it's like people I'm read just Hegel. Like, yeah like, oh well <laughs> I'm like, okay guy it's no one's gonna read that this doesn't make any sense <laughs> let's see he keeps talking about linen and coats um let's see he spends a bunch of time telegraphing that he's about to talk about his theory of money uh, which is the commodity theory of money, the dumbest theory of money ever invented. Like, basically, the commodity theory of money is the idea that money is a commodity that uh, everyone is willing to trade for anything else. So it became, like, the the universal commodity. So, you know, like, a, a gold coin is a universal commodity because, like, everyone will accept it. But... How how does this fit in with the labor theory of value? So if like if the if money is a commodity and money has value, how much labor goes into money? Like, especially if it's like the difference between a like a one dollar bill and a five dollar bill. Does a five dollar bill have five times as much labor in it as a one dollar bill? Oh man. I don't like. I don't. I like. What the fuck? It doesn't I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess like if you're getting paid seven dollars an hour, one hour, 
it's worth of labor is worth $7. So $7 would be worth one hour of labor. Right. So like a, a $1 bill only takes 10 minutes to make and a $5 bill takes 50 minutes to make. Right. I guess. I, I don't know. Is that, what he's, is that what he's saying? Does that make sense? Did I mean, that, he, he's not saying there? that, but that is, to me, the implication of saying that money is a commodity. Like, it evolved right. out of commodities and is just a universal commodity that anyone will accept. And and that commodities value is determined by the amount of labor that goes into it. Right. I don't know. So it mean, doesn't really... But, yeah. I mean, he doesn't get too and, much and really. It. It scales differently depending on like what your labor is, who you're laboring for, right? And like where you are in the world. Yeah. Because a coal miner in in West Virginia, what they get for their labor is way different than a coal miner in South America. Well, that's because the uh, laborers in South America are so much faster, so they put less labor time into the coal that they mine, and that's why it's cheaper. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like facts and logic. It's, it's right the there. Uh, the fast twitch muscle fibers that that does it. I think. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they they need to work slower, like lazy Americans. Yeah. Well, they don't they don't have the and, slow twitch muscle fibers like white people do. That's that's the problem. Right. You know, white people have more uh, endurance, so they can work longer, but they they can't work as fast. So that's that's so, the real problem. Good job, Marks. <clears throat> Good job. <laughs> that that's the other thing about using Marks is like that money to now to then and how it's used is completely different. Like you can't use that as a standard anymore, right? Like it's it's completely different now or now. Yeah, I mean most money now is just like numbers in a computer. So it's obviously not a commodity at all. They couldn't possibly right. do that. Right. The commodity is like digital information. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, section three is all I read. Um, it was maybe I'll have an easier time uh, with this new translation because it, I I started reading section four. It, it is much easier to read, so I think I'll be able to have more for next time. But yeah, I'll, all I have for it is is this commodity theory of money shit. Um, and you got the marks for dummies copy now, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's really weird to me that he also like that he does get into money like early in the book. Which to me, if you're talking about political economy, if I were to write a book on political economy, money would be the very first thing I talk about. Um. Right. And it would be probably one of the things I talk about for the longest. Uh. But he literally spends like one quarter of one section on it and then moves on immediately to commodity fetishism, which is the next one. And yeah, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's weird because he calls it a commodity also. And then he goes into commodity fetishism, but he doesn't go back into like money or whatever, unless that's well, just the commodity. Maybe he will. I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't like looked ahead at what the, uh, upcoming chapters are so maybe he'll get into that but i don't know um andy from grub stakers uh told me that the book does get better so i'll i will try to be more charitable to this book uh from now on i guess 
but yeah, so far I'm, I'm not impressed with the first three sections. Which, by the way, like I didn't realize it's actually a lot of reading because uh, this Penguin Classics version actually has page numbers on it, unlike the Marxist.org one. So it starts at one twenty-five, and section four starts at one sixty-three. So I've read like almost forty pages already. So pretty good, I think. Yeah, you got a long ways to go. Yeah, I, I only have uh It looks like eight hundred pages left. Yeah. Yeah, so, you're good. Yeah, I read it not in like two. I read it in like two thousand, and it took me like a couple of months. Okay, like so chapter three. Things. Chapter three gets back into money, so we'll we'll touch back on money uh, in chapter three. Um, so I'm I'm interested in that. Uh, oh, the next chapter is only ten pages. The process of exchange. So yeah, we'll we'll get into it soon. All right. Well, uh, soy boy, do you have anything to plug? No, uh, just uh, download Signal. Uh, yeah, if you definitely. Feel like you got an extra dollar to send send it their way. Yeah, I'll put Big the link backer. for that in the show description so that uh, anyone who wants to donate to the Signal Foundation can do so. Just yeah, get, get your mom and dad using it. Just get everybody using it. If you yeah. uh, participate in the uh, purchasing of um, things that you shouldn't be, it's good to get all those people uh, looped in on this information as well. Yeah, for sure. Instead of asking for hot dogs from them, you could just straight out just be like, hey, man need this and you don't really have to stress anything um not that i'm advocating for any of that but just to, you know to stay safe it's good to use and it's just it's good it's getting better <clears throat> it's getting better all the time from the looks of it uh the emojis just came out and they're about to drop some like other user-friendly things they got one thing now where they want you to enter your like your and stuff and i'm like no fuck you this is the exact opposite of what i want to do right now <laughs> uh, with the with it and uh but yeah it's looking like it's moving forward yeah the article the article said they also had sticker packs now which like one of the things they were saying is like in a regular app that would be really straightforward you just put pictures in there and like let people select them but in this they have like that all the sticker packs are like signed with encryption keys so that they they don't even know like what sticker packs you have so, yeah, inhibit good. dropped a sticker pack for Signal, which is pretty cool. It's all the orange inhibit like Signal like a uh, kind of vibe that they're going with, and uh, they're, they're fun. And the stickers work when you pass them back and forth to people, uh, like they see them even if they don't have the sticker pack installed. And there's a bunch of different people coming out with stickers for it. It's kind of fun. Just adds a little bit. Yeah, check out stickers. Highly recommended stickers. <laughs> Yeah, they're fun to play with. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, like use Signal. Get your mom and dad to use Signal. Every, everybody try to use Signal. And uh, don't don't buy any of those Amazon things or Google things in your house. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. All right. Uh, thanks for joining me, Soy Boy. And, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Yeah, love, love you, neighbors. That's how I we think, end, I right? think the next episode is... Uh, not going to be a Mecha Madness one because of scheduling issues mostly. But uh, don't forget, there is a live stream uh, that I'm doing of the Five Star Stories movie on Leap Day, February 29th at 7 p.m. EST on Twitch TV slash Drunky D. Luffy. D-R-U-N-K-Y-D-L-U-F-F-Y. 
So uh, check that out because I, I want to actually have people there, unlike my normal streams where it's like one person. <laughs>